Welcome everyone to Authors on the Air. I am thrilled today to have two very important people with me, Dan and Ruthie, who are readers of my guest, Matt Coyle. So for those of you who don't know Matt, he writes the um, the Rick Cahill series, and this is his new book, Doom Legacy. We thought it'd be interesting because Matt has said to me before he likes talking to readers at book signing events. You know, he has a good time with it. So I thought we'd go ahead and kick off with one of a reader who became Matt's friend, and that's Dan, who's sitting next to me. Welcome, Dan. Well, thank you for allowing me to be on. I appreciate it. I'm thrilled it. you're here. So, so how did you get to meet Matt, and how did you find out about his books? Well, I met Matt at a podcast event slash fundraiser event, and we sat together just randomly, and we're having dinner or lunch, whatever it was. I think it was dinner. And I just asked Matt what he did, and he told me, and being a reader, uh, I was embarrassed to say I hadn't read any of his books at that point. And so I went home. Many of you out there. <laughs> I, I went, well, actually, I bought a book that night or that day, and um, he signed it and went home and read it. And then soon thereafter, appendicitis hit me. Oh, and so I went to the hospital in between waiting and post-surgery when I could go home. I think I read three or four of his next ones. Oh, good. Yeah, because I had the free time, and I obviously. And from there, it just became, what's Rick going to do next? next. What's going to happen to Rick next? I was there hooked. You go. So, Ruthie, I knew that you liked Matt because every time I'd post about one of his books, you would always say, oh, I got to go get that now. And, and I know that last year, Matt sent you a signed copy. He did. Yes. How did you find out? A bit? Was, was it through me posting or had you already read Matt's books? I think it was through you, Pam, because I, yes. <laughs> and thank you. Uh, I, but thank I think you. it was through your postings. Absolutely. And then I took a read and I got hooked. You got hooked on, and I think right, I sent yeah. you a few books too, didn't I? Yes, you did. Because you like to read on a Kindle also? I do. I read on a Kindle. I'm a slow reader, and I like to have two or three books going at a time. That's why the Kindle's so handy. It, it certainly is. And, and I'm a fast reader, but I still have three or four different books going all at once. Oh. So, Ruthie... You, you said it's been a while since you've been to a book signing. I know that you are your mother's caregiver, and so that probably limits a lot of the times you can do. But suppose you and Matt are sitting across the table from each other and you're discussing Doom Legacy. Is there a question that you want to ask him? There is. It's been burning for the last couple books. And it is, oh. how do you know so much about CTE and write so poignantly about it? Mm. Well, you know, I did, I've done some research. I've actually, being a sports fan, a uh, football fan in particular, been aware of it for years. I mean, there was that Will, uh, I was aware of it before the Will Smith movie, which, you know, time flies. It's been a long time, I guess now, probably been eight, 10 years, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've done research uh, online. I've talked to a couple doctors, but uh, in terms of poignancy um you know I've, I've been writing this character it took me 10 years to get published i've been writing rick for 20 years it, um oh. so i've been in his head for a long time and uh he feels like a member of the family so um i feel what he feels very deeply uh you know and and uh thankfully although i just had a friend tell me he thinks that um well he's been pre-diagnosed that he has cte's 
oh. uh, which is very sad. Um, but I mean, he's doing fine now. He's my age, which is kind of old, but um, but when you're, you know, when you're a writer and you're become a certain age like I am, you experience quite a lot of um, a fair amount of grief in life, um, loss in life, and emotional things that have happened to you. So even though you, you know, I'm not, I haven't lived a, a, an exciting life like Rick, but I can convey um, the sense of uh, loss and consternation and fear that all humans do throughout their lives. So I try to put that, um, that fiction into other fiction. I mean, that reality into, you know, the fiction that Rick is going through right. in his stories. But thank oh, you for the compliment. Sure. Damn. Very upbeat material I write about. <laughs> Dan, what would you like to ask Matt about anything in the book or his writing style or anything? Oh, I've got a bunch of questions to ask. Oh, good. <laughs> um, there's two parts about Rick that I'm fascinated about, and I don't even know that we've spoken about it, Matt, is number one, the genesis of Rick, who he is, where he's come from and all that. I'm not sure I re know that. If you've told me, I apologize. And then the second piece, which is the piece I love about Rick over the series, is how flawed he is. He is not some Hollywood glitzy, um, you know, James Bond era type guy. I mean, this guy's got some issues. And I'm wondering how far have you ever pulled back from even going darker and deeper into those flaws? Good question. Uh, regarding his genesis, it evolved. Um, like I said, it took me 10 years to get published, thankfully, because if somehow by some miracle I'd been published, gotten published before all those revisions on um, yesterday's echo, I don't think wherever I am right now in a career, I don't think I'd be there because I don't think the books would be as good because it just took me a long time to, to be um, to get to that level. Um, so when I first started writing Rick, it was much more autobiographical. He was I spent 10 years in the restaurant business. Um, although when I started writing the book, it was, I was probably 10 years removed from being in the restaurant business, but, um, so, I mean, the whole idea of managing a restaurant and all that was not, um, wasn't fiction to me. It's true to me. And so I was putting a lot of my own life into the book and it was a lot lighter than it ended up becoming and clearly not as exciting, interesting. And, um, I was at the very first writer's conference I went to, I think was, um, California, Southern California Writers Conference, still going today. They do it in uh, LA and San Diego. And I think used to do it in the desert. I'm not sure if they still go out there. Um, and a great writer in San Diego named Mr. Writer named Alan uh, Russell had the misfortune of reading <laughs> parts of my first um, draft, which back then it was, it was a read and critique that goes on at these conferences. And I, it was 30 pages. They never do that anymore. You'd be lucky if you do 10 pages. When I got my agent, it was five pages. But he had to read 30 pages of, uh, of what was really probably a first draft. <laughs> Poor guy. A first draft from just out of nowhere, right? And he said, you know, he can write, but it's too bi autobiographical. And um, I really took that to heart. And the further I went away from my own life and, and fictionalized things and thought deeper, the better it became and in, during an early revision um, out of the ether, out of my subconscious, a line came to me, which was the first time I saw her, she made me remember and she made me forget, which became the first sentence of the book, the first line of the book. 
And from that, I realized, well, uh, this guy's much darker than I've been writing. He's really had a very difficult um, backstory and I need to examine that. And that really opened things up for me um, for the character I was trying to develop. Got really dark and grimy. And um, like I said, God, God bless the ether. God bless my um, subconscious because I think that really put me on the path to where I am now. Um, the second part of your question, have I ever pulled back on abusing Rick? <laughs> um, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, as you almost know personally, Dan, um, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, I had somebody ask me recently about story. Is there anything I wouldn't write about? And I think there's only one. Well, just I wouldn't write about politics because it's too, uh, you know, the country split down the middle. Why would I risk losing um, half my audience? But the other, I, I wouldn't write about um, children um, being abused uh, or, or worse, you know. Yeah. That I would stay away from. I think I've had um, hints of abuse from someone's backstory who's now an adult in the books. I think the first book, probably. But I, that I won't write about. I don't think I have to. Other people do it better than I do. It's not something I really want to think about. But anything else is pretty much fair game. Um, I've explored a lot of different things and um, abused Rick quite a bit. And it's not over. Ruthie, do you have another question for, for Matt? <clears throat> well, I do. Dan touched on a lot of it, and, and so did Matt in his answer. But it's more of an observation. Rick, to me, seems like a very old soul. And I'm just wondering, I'm a little bit of a fangirl of Rick because he is so very damaged. Um, and I'm just wondering, do you have the whole series outlined? Oh, extensively. I, I, I've, I've okay. taken years out. No, I don't at all. No. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm a blank pager, also known as a seat of the pantser, a pantser. Um, when I started, I did have a couple of rules when I started writing uh, Rick way back 20 years ago. And uh, one of them was he wasn't going to have a sidekick. Um, and I got rid of that after the first book when I was writing the second book, um, Night Tremors. And I realized I need another private investigator for one scene. I came up with this little sawed off piece of uh, attitude named Moira. And she started talking and I thought, wow i need her and rick needed her and so she's been in every book since and i think i really saved the series because i think we're, we were talking about how dark um some of the, the some of the rick's internal i don't really write um graphic darkness or things like that i say you know as writing in first person rick has to discover what's happened you know after the fact so he's not always there for the dark violence although um he has um he's endured some of it on the page um but I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? About how his, you know, how damaged he is. Yeah. Ruthie well, said she's, um, a, she's a fangirl of him, but right. he seems so horribly damaged. <laughs> right. Well, he is horribly damaged. But oh, it was a side. It was a sidekick thing, yeah. because because each book's gotten darker, and he's kind of morose, and he's very internal. It's first person you're in his head. So I need a little lightness. And even though Moira is not particularly a light person their banter their kind of brother sister attitude has um i think expanded uh, um rick's 
personality. And I think it's shown the reader that there's, re, you know, if someone like Moira has really got her stuff together, very bright, uh, great uh, investigator, if and a good person, if she cares about this guy, then maybe we'll overlook some of the bad decisions he makes and care about him too. Uh, the other um, rule I had was that everything had to count for Rick. Everything had to matter. Every injury had to, um, every injury had to uh, carry over physically and emotionally. And so that made the, that made it darker and darker. Um, like he's carrying a lot of baggage and the, the difficult part in writing each book is how much do I let new readers know about his backstory and without ruining it for them, if they pick up book nine and they, and they want to go back one through eight, I don't want to tell them about the whole life. And plus I don't want to bore existing readers, but in terms of outlining him, no, um, I didn't, I didn't certainly didn't expect to give him CTE. I didn't expect to give oh. a somewhat successful series. The, the protagonist of that series have a debilitating, potentially life threatening disease. Uh, but I, but because of that, that rule I said where everything had to matter, like every physical thing, every emotional thing had to matter, all the physical abuse he's taken, especially to his head, I, I didn't see any other way around it. I think that, like I said, a friend of mine thinks he's got CTE, he's been pre-diagnosed with it, and he's, he was a cop himself, um, he's had a few concussions, and Rick has led a very physical life. I think there's a lot of us walking around that probably have this disease and don't know it. Um, just through the physicality of our lives. Interesting. More upbeat stuff. Interesting. Dan? A couple of things. Um, in Doom Legacy, Matt, I thought you handled the father-daughter issue as being a father of a daughter very well. Um, oh, good. Thank uh, you. Because, boy, I get emotional thinking about it. Um, the other thing, I don't know how much you want to share, but doing your research, you know, we had a, um, you had a question for me and this group of people did not want to be acknowledged. <laughs> they wanted to give advice without letting you know. Are there other industries outside of the special operations world like that, that you've run, or is just everybody really giving and open about what they can help you with? Yeah, there's, uh, there was one, there was another Navy SEAL um, who I spoke with who'd had, I'd seen him on television before. He had a product, I'll just say that. And it took me, this is when I was writing my uh, third book, um, Dark Fishers. I got to look at them because they all have two word titles. They're hard to remember. <laughs> um, and I really it took me a long time to be able to get through to this guy for him to even talk to me. And he was very on guard. I think he, you know, I think he thought maybe I was trying to get some point of view out, but I wasn't. I was just trying to get the the nitty gritty stuff about being a SEAL and the language and things like that. And um, he gave me some great insight, um, made the book better, but he specifically did not want to be mentioned in the book. And I said, well, you know, I can mention your product and um, your, your business and, you know, maybe some of the 14 people who read the book would be interested in it. And uh, he said, no, no, no. So I kind of understood that because, uh, you know, speaking of, um, before the uh, we started, we went live. We were talking a little bit about Jack Carr, the Navy SEAL who writes New York Times best-selling books, and he has to get all this. He, his stuff has to go to the DOD, I think, when he writes the books. Right. He gets it back with a lot of redacted stuff, and so I got I got that with the Navy SEAL. But then I was asking um, a very helpful woman in the banking industry. She gave me everything I needed, but also really, I was because I 
I don't have a social, a, um, um, what do you call it? The, the boxes, um, so safe deposit box. Safe deposit. I don't have a safe deposit box. I did get one for a while when I was doing this book, uh, which I think was Blood Truth. But I, she gave me a lot of insight about how it works and if stuff's left there after somebody dies, all the stuff I needed. But I said, you know, I, as I say to everybody, I can't, you know, I can't um, give you any money or anything for helping me, but I, I would love to put your name in the acknowledgement. She goes, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking the banking industry, man, all this, you know, dark stuff about safe deposit boxes. You got to be careful. <laughs> but no, but, but you did bring up a good point is that people are so giving. It's amazing. I've only had one person not be willing to give me any information and probably because i didn't explain myself well enough when i got him on the phone it was he was a um, rancher in idaho and uh, he did not want anything to do with me but, huh. but everybody else is just so giving you know they don't they'll give you as much information as they can i've talked to government officials and you know um civilians everybody they're just everyone's so wanting to help it's really it's been an amazing experience i'm really grateful cool Ruthie, do you have another question for matt I do. It's about writing in general. Um, you know, we talked a lot about your research and the autobiographical piece of this. Does writing in general energize or exhaust you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, picked, you picked the right book I'm writing now to ask me that question. Um, yeah, it does both. It does both. Uh, I mean, I find it very difficult. There's a lot of writers that don't find it that hard, but there's some that do. Um, I I don't particularly feel. I think it's hard. I don't. It, it's not that much fun a lot of the time. I'm doing exactly what I was put on earth to do. I finally realized when I was in my early 40s that when I, after telling people for 30 years I was going to write a book, when I started doing it, I, I it was. It was an epiphany for me. I was, you know, whatever limited talents I had, to. Um, writing is what I should be doing. And and so that was a great thing that happened to me. But it's I hate it a lot of the time. Um, I struggle with it. I love it as, as well. I absolutely love it. And after after a good day of writing, I, I never feel better. But also, there's nothing easier for me to not do than write. I'm very good at not writing. I can do that anytime. Um, <laughs> but I do, you know, there's great rewards to it. And generally, when I'm writing a book, um, and Dan, I think Dan knows, I know a, a mutual friend of ours um, who we actually kind of met through named Jeff Dotson knows is that I hate the book while I'm writing it. Jeff will call me up and ask me, Hey, how's it going? I hate it. It's terrible. I'm a fraud. They're going to find out this time. It's crappy. <laughs> and, and that's what, as I'm writing it. And then once I get done, I read that first draft and I go, oh, okay, not that bad. It's, you know, I'm not embarrassed about it so much. And then with revision, 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 it gets better. And I just sent the latest book I'm writing, uh, I'm not done with it yet. I'm not done revising yet, but I wanted to get some to my agent because I'm writing in the dark for the first time ever. I'm not in a writer's group for the first time ever with this book. So I wanted my agent to look at what I'd written and I went through it again, yet another revision, sent it off to her. And I thought, well, you know, I am proud of this book. So that was a good feeling. And yet as I've sent it to her and she's going on vacation and she's going to read my 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 draft while she's on vacation as punishment, I guess. I don't know why she, I need to punish her, but um, <laughs> after having sent it to her two days ago, I'm going through the first chapter and I've made like 16 changes already. Small <laughs> things, but it's like it never ends. I heard Robert Cray say that the the, um, the editing never ends. And I completely agree with that because every time if I'm start doing a book tour and I, I'm going to read to an audience, um, I edit as I edit for time, but also I'm like, well, like, well why didn't I? 
cut that five times <laughs> when I've read this thing. Anyway, so it never ends. Yes, I love it very much. It's wonderful. My <laughs> mistress. <laughs> but thank you. That's a good question. I just don't. Thank I want to just remind everyone the new book is called Doom Legacy. Uh, this okay. is Rick Cahill. Which number? Nine. Nine. Wow. Yeah. I have all of them back here in my mat file back there. You're on the main shelf. I you know, I, I got hooked on it when uh, your publicist sent yesterday's echo to me and, and that was it. And, you know, I've read every single one since then. It's been a lot of fun. Our, our review group loves the books too. Final word, um, Dan, and uh, from you or question or final word. Hopefully this is an easy, quick one for you, Matt. Who chooses the titles? I do. Yeah, and the, when I did yesterday's Echo, um, after a lot of consternation, my publisher liked the idea of a two-word title, so that's what I have to come up with. And the second book, I sent it to them, some crappy title, and, and they said, this isn't very good. And I said, I know, make it better. And they go, no, you make it better. And within, because I'd worked on it for, I'd worked on my second book. This is not a quick answer, but I I'd worked on my second book for two years, it took me two years to get it out. And so for two years, I didn't have a title. I'm trying to come up with one. And once she said, I need it by a certain time, I had it in 15 minutes. But generally it comes organically from the book. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think about what would make sense. And then I put it in the book to make it seem organically because I like to have the title in the book. Um, I don't know. That that was my question. I'm sorry. I I have to, I I think back to when you and I first met, Matt, um, the first time I interviewed you and I asked you the same thing. I asked you about the title and you said, Oh, it's the hardest part of the book that you, and we joked about it, you know, but I have to say the last ones are so on point and really steer where the book is going. Doom legacy is a new book published by Ocean View. It is available in retailers everywhere. Uh, Matt is an award-winning writer, and um, I'm, I'm happy to say that he hosted a podcast in this network for a long time, and you, you are absolutely welcome to come back and guest host anytime you want. Ruthie Scullin, thank you so much for being with thank us. You. I will see you on Facebook. You uh, will. You know, sending you, I have to send you your flamingo cards. Oh, I wish I had them right here. I'd show them to you. Uh, Ruthie is a flamingo lover as well as a cat lover, so I happened to be in a store and saw a box of Christmas cards with flamingos on them, so I bought them. They're too sweet. Nice. They're nice. too good. <laughs> and Dan, I'm so glad that you came on. I know that you know Matt personally, and so it was kind of nice to have someone who knew a little bit more about him than, than say, Ruthie does. So thank you for being with us. Yeah, my pleasure. You will find this podcast and the video cast anywhere where you get your podcast. I appreciate everyone for being with me tonight. I want to thank you all and thank you, mom and dad. Have a good night. Thanks to everyone. Thank you guys. Appreciate it.